What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. A big, big weekend that we had. The best weekend of the season. Wrapped up on Sunday night with that amazing Princeton Penn State game, the Nittany Lions getting the 13-12 win there. We will dive into all of the first-round action on today's episode. But before we get into things, I do want to remind y'all where you can listen to slash watch the Lacrosse Bucket podcast at. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, can also watch on YouTube as well. Let's get into things here, and I want to mention a couple of the games that I'm not going to talk about first, okay? Um, so let's go back to, to Saturday. So uh, the first game, the first two games of Saturday were really not good. Um, well, I'd say the first half of Virginia Richmond was good. It was an extended half with um, the 30-minute, I believe it was, lightning delay that we had in that one. But 17-8 to Virginia over Richmond in that one. Um, another dominant day here for Virginia. Six-goal day for Peyton Cormier. This offense, once again, just kind of showed how dominant it was. I did think it was impressive for Richmond that they were able to punch back a couple times early on and keep things close. But really, once once Virginia broke away, it, it, it really wasn't much of a problem for them. Um, a, a great day for Connor Schoenberger, four assists, two goals on the day. Xander Dixon, two goals, one assist. He broke the uh, program record in terms of goals in a season, I believe it was 57, that he broke uh, there. So, uh, a, a good win here for Virginia. They move on. We'll play Georgetown in the quarterfinals this weekend. Um, Notre Dame, 20-7. to Look, this one, I turned this one off. It was 8 nothing at the end of the first, and I, I turned this one off. Um, really not a lot to take away here. First and foremost, like congratulations to Utah for getting there, getting that first NCAA tournament bid. That's a step in the right direction for this program. And, you know, Richmond as well, congrats for getting their continuation of the success that y'all have had as a program. But, you know, whoever got Virginia or Notre Dame, um, to an extent, I, I believe it was going to be a tough matchup for either of those teams, just given what both the Irish and the Cavaliers bring to the table here. Uh, Pat Cavanaugh, three goals, four uh, assists, seven points on the day. Five-goal day from from Jake Taylor uh, there, and, and great to see him you know, pick up his production here, or I should say continue to pick up his production here as of late. Um, you know, he's been very good throughout the back half of this season for the Irish. Um, so, I mean, not a, not a ton to take away from either of those games other than Virginia 
they're moving on. Notre Dame, they're moving on. Uh, Notre Dame will play Hopkins on Saturday. Um, is it Saturday? Yes, we'll play Hopkins on Saturday. And look, if, if Virginia and Notre Dame both win, we've got that matchup in the semifinals. I think that's a game that um, a lot of people are have anticipated and kind of seen if things work out. That's going to be one of the better games of the tournament. Um, Hopkins, mentioned Notre Dame, will play on Saturday. Also won via blowout fashion, 22-8 to over Bryant on Sunday. Um, and this one, again, like I thought it was a strong performance early on from Bryant. Credit to them for getting it done early on and keeping things close. It was a 3-3 game. Um, oh, it was it 3-1, I believe. Bryant was up at one point in this game, uh, but they lose 22-8. to Hopkins, again, just you know, gets hot, stays hot, and, and, and sprints down the finish line. A nine-point day from Russell Melendez, five goals, four assists. He took over, led the way for this Hopkins program in the victory here. Hopkins makes it back to the NCAA quarterfinals for uh, the first time since uh, 2018. It is that they will make it uh, past the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, and again, we'll play Notre Dame. So uh, a, a highly anticipated matchup in that one. And we'll certainly talk about uh, those games here on Thursday's show. Uh, continuing on with the action of the weekend, and we'll start here with uh, with, with Saturday. And the two games, uh, Saturday night, uh, you know, 5.31, and then the, was it 7.30, uh, Maryland and Army. So well, let's talk about the first one here, Georgetown 19, Yale 17. Um, this was a typical game, I thought, between uh, a pair of teams. So I thought Georgetown was going to win this one. I thought, you know, I did not see Yale having this kind of performance here. Um, Georgetown's defense played fantastic in the second half. Well, I shouldn't say fantastic. Played good in the second half. Um, you know, the production was picked up there in the second half by that unit. Um, you know, both goalies just didn't play well for either of these teams. Uh, Denny Hinks with 37% save percentage. Um, Jared pa- for, for Georgetown, Jared Parquette, 39% save percentage for uh, for Yale. Um, I mean, this was an offensive fire fest. This was an offensive clinic. Um, and, you know, Georgetown wins out. Georgetown wins out. And, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't foresee that kind of game coming here. Uh, because I did think, and, and and I would still say Georgetown has a much better defense uh, than Yale, um, and and so I did think it was going to be Georgetown win, but not in this fashion. Um, you know, Tucker Dordovic with, with with a big day here for for the Hoyas, five goals, one assist. Brian Minicus, four goals, three assists. Um, Oh, excuse me, Tucker Dordovic, six goals, excuse me. Nikki Solomon, six points off, five goals, one assist. Um, a, a good day for, for the top three here from Georgetown. That that team continues to impress and tenu- continues to show what it has. Um, I think the one uh, question mark that I would have is, like, I, I do think, you know, maybe 
if if James Riley was fully healthy um, in this game, and you can see he was still a little gimpy. He did miss a couple. Came off the field a bit early in the contest, um, and, and and certainly didn't take all of those faceoffs uh, that that we saw from both these teams. But Nicholas Ramsey took the majority for Yale. Did a really good job against him. Went fifty six percent on the day. Uh, Machado Rodriguez uh, and Co- uh, Corbin Picola each. Uh, got in on the action there for Yale as well, uh, but I do wonder it, with a healthy, with a healthy Riley, um, would Georgetown have been able to kind of build up the lead more that they had in the first half? Because like Yale in this one went on a on a massive run in the first quarter, and then Georgetown goes on a massive run in the second quarter. And then the second half was really, it was like playing ping pong, right? With back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Um, goal, 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 goal. Um, really not much defense to speak of in this contest at all. So like, that is my, my one takeaway from this one is, would it be different if James Riley was healthy? And if James Riley, you know, is fully healthy, let's say he's, you know, let's say he was 85%, 90% on Saturday. If he is 95 98% um, this coming Saturday against Virginia, how much does that help him? Uh, you know, he was injured the last time that we saw these two teams play back in the quarterfinals in 2021 it was when, when, when he was injured or got knocked out that first play of the game there. Uh, this is going to be an interesting battle coming up on on uh, on Saturday between these two. And again, we'll talk more about those games on Thursday's show. But certainly an uh, exciting back-and-forth battle um, from Georgetown and Yale. An absolute shootout. Um, another game that went a bit differently than I saw it going. Um, so I picked Maryland to beat Army. They did not. Um, but I, I uh, did think it was one of the games where you would most likely see um, an upset, if you want to call it that. Army 16, Maryland 15. Um, I, I thought this was going to be a much low scoring, a, a much low scoring game. I liked both these defenses coming in. You've got two of the best defensemen in the country, three of the best, I should say, in the country uh, on the field at the same time. There, um, however, Ajax Zapatello. Out in this one as uh, you know, facing the injury there uh, for the uh, Terrapins, and so uh, you know, I-, I do wonder how much that um, his absence played into things here. And obviously, he's been out, you know, since the uh, was it the first Hopkins game or the second Hopkins game? I cannot remember what. Uh, since the Hopkins game on the 22nd. So that would have been the regular season game. Yeah, so he's been out um, this entire postseason. And so I do wonder if you have Zapatello in there, and we'll talk some injury on on Army's side here in a second. Um, if you have Zapatello in there, how much of a difference is it? Um you know, I don't know if it is if if one player in particular for any team, no matter how good they are, 
is good enough to sway a game like this, um, where it was so back and forth, um, and a game where, it, and on a night where Knox did for only 16 saves, had his best performance of the season, um, you could say that just fantastic. Um, I'm not sure how much Zapatello's presence would have flipped things there, um, but it's certainly something to look uh, to, to to ponder uh, when looking at this contest. Now, Army also had their share of injury uh, injury situation there as well, with Paul Johnson being out uh, there, one of the top attackmen uh, in this Black Knights offense. He was out in that one, and like with him out, look, you still have Reese Buick, you still have Evan Plunkett, and those guys who've been fantastic for you all season long. Gunner Fellows stepped up, had a hat trick in this one, which is uh, you know his his biggest performance since um, back in uh, I believe early April, uh, late March. Um, but then Finn McCullough steps up, two goals in this one. Ryan Spacito, who, who's been solid this season, two goals. Uh, Av Av Mel. With with one as well as John Manero, Andrew Kelly, Dawson Clark, a bunch of guys stepped up and filled in uh, this offense, and really one of the more complete offensive performances I can remember from Army this season. And doing it certainly when one of your top players is out, uh, certainly a notable feat there for uh, that end of the field. You know, one of the one of, one of the the big big questions I had coming into this one was what is going to happen at the faceoff dot, and it, it was pretty 50-50. Uh, so Luke Wheelman went 51% on the day uh, for Maryland. Will Coletti went 49% on the day. A really good battle between these two uh, these two at the dot, and, and really showed why they are some of the best in the country. Um, Braden Oska had had four goals, one assist there for Maryland. Kyle Long with, with, with three assists. Owen Murphy with two assists as well. And I should mention Spanos, uh, some of the Ryan Syracuse, some other guys stopping up here for Maryland as well. So I mean, it's the postseason. Guys, step up. We'll talk about that here uh, in a few minutes with, with some other teams as well. And you saw that here on Saturday night between Army and, and Maryland. But again, uh, Fort Knox, Knox Dent. I, you know, really the, the, the headliner of this one and, and 16 saves in this contest. A fantastic, fantastic game from Army. And look, you know, they move on and they will play on um, on Saturday. They're going to play uh, Penn State. That That's going to I'm, I'm excited for that goalie battle. That goalie battle between Knox Dent and... Um, Jack Flacion is going to be exciting, to say the least. Uh, now, moving to these other games here, on the Sunday games. So, Duke beat Delaware 12-11. Um, credit to Delaware, heck of a game. Um, I don't want to talk about this game necessarily in the context of, of what happened on the field, but... More in the context of like why was this game even played? Um, so we all know that the NCAA selection process 
puts the two lowest seeded automatic qualifiers into the play-in game. Or lowest ranked automatic qualifiers into the play-in game. It's it's been that way. That's that's true. Um, last year we had two play-in games. This year we had, we had one. So the two lowest teams go to the play-in. Delaware, uh, second year in a row, goes to a play-in game, and they play missed. They win twenty-five to ten. I don't think anyone thought that Delaware was going to lose that one. I I certainly didn't. Miss is a great team, but Delaware, you know, they went to the quarterfinals last year. They beat Georgetown. They returned practically everybody from that team. They ran through the CAA with only the upset loss to Towson in the final week of the season. Number one seed there again. Like they they did what was expected of them. Now that they had a little up and down moments in the middle of the season, Michigan game wasn't particularly um, a uh, a fantastic showing from them there. Um, but the other two losses outside of that, and Michigan loss looks a lot better than it did at the time. Now, the other two losses they had, Villanova and Johns Hopkins, as well as the Towson loss, as I mentioned. Towson loss, the only bad loss they had all year. Um, I understand from a strength of schedule that Delaware wasn't as good strength schedule-wise against some of these other teams, like like maybe a Bryant. But I do think probably a Delaware-Hopkins game, and I know they want to try to, like, we don't want to do rematches and all that, whatever. That would have been a much better game than Delaware, excuse me, than Bryant-Hopkins. So... I understand the process, and I understand you have to look at that, and, and you see teams within the framework of, of the process of selection and all of that, but there needs to be a look at, and like, look, is this might be the only time this ever happens, but Duke should not have been playing Delaware. I, I don't care if you're a Duke fan, if you're not a Duke fan, or, or you don't care. If you're the number one seed, you shouldn't have to play arguably the best automatic qualifier of a mid-major conference in round one. Like that should like that shouldn't happen. Like you look at the rest of this field. Delaware comes within one of Duke. Very good Duke team that's just plowed through everybody this season. Tell me that Delaware wouldn't have beaten Hopkins. Tell me that Delaware would not have beaten Princeton or Penn State or Maryland. They could have. They simply could have. I cannot say that for every other mid-major AQ. You simply can't say that. Now, they played 10 times. Okay, maybe one they win. But if you're putting it on one weekend and saying we've got one game here, which of these teams uh, of the mid-major AQs could beat any of these other teams? Delaware's the team. So, should that game have been played, you know, that way? Should it have worked out that way? I don't know. I, I, don't, I feel like it's unfair for, for, for Duke and for Delaware that they had to play in this game. And, and what a heck of a game it was. What a heck of a game it was. 
Uh, Owen Grant did a fantastic job there on on Brendan O'Neill. I mean, these two guys showed why they're some of the best players in the country. O'Neill, one goal, three assists. I think he was uh, 0-7 shooting in the first half. Uh, there, uh, O'Neill was uh, going up against Grant. Owen Grant's a beast. Uh, he, he showed, like, why he was, what, number two pick in the PLL draft. Um, just absolute uh, strong showing here from from Delaware, from the defense, once again in an NCAA tournament game. Ty Coates had four goals in this one. You know, Naso was um, a, a, a big piece in terms of a difference maker at the faceoff dot, kind of as you expected. William Helm, uh, Matt Kilkerry played fantastic games in cage for the Blue Devils and the Blue Hens. Just a, 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 an exciting battle all around between these two teams. And again, this is a game that I would have much rather have seen played in the quarterfinals. Um, this game had that in kind of talent level, had that kind of intensity of a quarterfinal game. Not that first-round games don't have the intensity of win or go home. They do, uh, because that's the case with all tournament games. But these teams of these caliber, with this much talent on the field, should have been a quarterfinal game. At least from my perspective, how I, how I, how I looked at that, um, and now Duke, you know, they head to uh, who do they play in the uh, next game here? So they will head and play Michigan. Great segue here into the Wolverines and the game that they had over Cornell. So Michigan. Beats Cornell 15-14 to 14 in an absolute dogfight. I just want to, like, this is one of those games that you watch and you're thinking, man, I hate that either of these teams have to lose. Because it was a dogfight. 15-14, um, overtime winner here. Peter Thompson, four goals, one assist, five points on the day. The Ann Arbor native... Gets it done for his hometown team. His best performance of his career. You talk about players stepping up in prime time. You talk about players stepping up in the postseason. That is what Peter Thompson did on Sunday afternoon for the Michigan Wolverines. Ryan Cohn was out for this game uh, due to internal reasons uh, is what the broadcast said so no Ryan Cohen there for Michigan uh but Peter Thompson and, and really I, I I do want to compliment this uh Michigan midfield uh, uh really stepping up in this contest and it, it, it's a unit that I think's gotten better over the past couple of years and the addition of Peter Thompson today uh he's been solid all season he's had good games he's been a solid contributor but stepped up in a much bigger way than he ever had on Saturday. Uh, Isaac Arlinson also had a fantastic day as well there at the midfield. Two goals and one assist for him. Jake Bonomi showed out with two goals. Uh, Aiden Mulholland uh, with one goal and one assist as well. A really strong day for the Michigan midfield. And one of the bigger takeaways I had from that game uh, for the Wolverines. Uh, C.J. Coast uh, held to two goals and one assist. Uh, 
he was held off the board until the third quarter, I believe it was. Uh, great day from this Michigan defense. I thought they played very well. And I will say, the Michigan ride, I thought, was pretty strong. Um, you know, against Cornell, and a Cornell team that can get going in transition, I thought they did a great job attacking that. Um, and then, I mean, look, you knew Joshua Watt two goals for, for Michigan as well. Um, and, and again, the, the, the midfield is not just on, on Michigan's side. Billy Coyle, Aiden Blake stepping up here with, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, Hugh Kelleher, uh, Billy Coyle, three goals each in that game. Aiden Blake also had uh, two goals as well for Cornell. So uh, a really deep offensive day for both of these teams. Uh, but back to, uh, to, to Michigan and how they handled this, I, I thought they played very consistent, and they clearly had a, a winning formula, a winning plan going in. Like, they knew what this Cornell defense brought. They knew um, what they were going to be up against. When you look at a guy like Joshua Water, who, who has to go up against uh, a, a, a player like Gavin Adler, um, they knew what they had at, at the face-off dot, and, and both sides being pretty decent on the day. Nick Rowlett went 58% for Michigan, was extremely good. Jack Kaskaden, 48% for Cornell, you know, under 50%, but he did have a goal in this one, um, and <laughs> frankly, almost had two goals, had the uh, one that went wide there late. Uh, Justin Wheatfield went, 70, went uh, excuse me, 7 for 14, 50% there for uh, Michigan, uh, but really, this was a game of, of kind of who, you know, who has the most will to win, and at the end of the day, it was Michigan. Um, at the end of the day, it was Michigan. Uh, Cornell, um, I, I'm escaping who it was, but drew two, drew two guys uh, back there. They pass it over to, uh, I believe it was Bryce Clay on the uh, on the you know, you know far side there, Peter Thompson just kind of sneaks in, and uh, really nice, nice feed to him, cross crease feed um, for the the game winner, and, and again a, a game where uh, Michigan continued to show how good they are, continued to show the growth and development from last year to this year, and proved that hey. Uh, we didn't just make it to this stage. We are ready for this stage. We can perform on this stage, which is the NCAA tournament. Um, Michigan plays Duke now on uh, Sunday, and that is going to be an exciting battle there. Um, another Big Ten team, and, um, you know, Big Ten, the 2023 Big Ten, they looked at the 2022 Ivy League and said, um, nice, watch us. Big Ten, three teams advancing, Michigan, Hopkins, and now Penn State, as well as, as they won 13-12 to over Princeton. And again, we talk about guys stepping up big time in the post Season, Ethan Long with his best game of the day. The sophomore, five goals for 
the Nittany Lions in this one. Um, and, and really a phenomenal comeback here for Penn State, showing there was, I mean, this has been a team that's been resilient all year. Uh, they were really, really resilient on Sunday night. You get down 7-1. to one. A lot of teams at that point start tucking their tail between their legs. Penn State said, hey, look, we have an opportunity. We can come back. And every opportunity they took it, every little sliver of hope, they grabbed it. And they come back, and they win this one. They hold off Princeton late. Um... Jack Frasione with a tremendous game, 16 saves, 57% save percentage there. Uh, this Penn State team was was clicking uh, in practically every spot uh, except for the faceoff dot. Mullins had some solid wins, and, and they got some opportunities off that. But uh, when you look at, at, at that spot, it was McMeekin and Princeton who dominated 64% there for him, and I thought he played uh, fantastic in that one and really gave Princeton uh, hope to you know stave off the comeback uh, there late in the game. But again, Frasion with 16 saves on the day there to uh, effectively help put down uh, Princeton and complete the comeback as uh, the Nittany Lions beat the Princeton Tigers 13-12. to um, I do want to talk a little bit about Princeton here. Colton McAsee, six goals on the day. What a game from him. What a game. Um, the Twilton Awards, uh, or Twilton finalist came out. He's obviously not on it, but this is a guy that, that I feel is going to be on that stage here. Uh, if not, you know, Maybe twice, maybe once over the next two years. Maybe win it. Um, he's phenomenal, and he had a phenomenal sophomore season here for Princeton. Uh, the, the, the Tigers started very slow, uh, but really had a strong ending to the season. And uh, uh, again, uh, fall victim to a, a, a comeback win here over Penn State, where um, you know Penn State. Once once they got going, I mean, you're down seven to one. They cut it to I believe it was uh, seven to four, uh, or seven or excuse me, uh, eight to four late in that first half. Um, and so like it, it felt for a little bit there, like okay, Penn State's crawling back in this, but I'm not sure Princeton's gonna let go. Penn State was ultimately able to overtake things, overtake this one. They get the lead. Um, and just run with it from there, essentially. Um, multiple ties in, in this one down the stretch and, and back and forth, back and forth. Um, really, really uh, strong day here for, for Penn State in terms of showing their resiliency, being able to come back here. Uh, when you look at, at Penn State and that, that late run they had there, I mentioned Mullins had some good moments. That was one of his best moments, three for five during those final seven minutes of the third quarter where uh, Penn State was able to jump ahead 12-9, to and really it felt like from that point on, Penn State really had the momentum on their side in this one. And I know it was you know 12-12 at, at one point, and it looked like, okay, Princeton, they're not, they're not leaving, they're not letting go. Vidalo had that amazing goal 
which I'm, I'm still wondering how he got that one off. Has to go through two defenders. Essentially has two sticks on him and, and somehow puts it in. Um, a fantastic goal from him on that one. But, uh, you know, Kevin Winkoff with, with the game winner, uh, eventual game winner there with, I think it was like four minutes left in this one. So a really good defensive battle down the stretch that, that kind of kept you on the edge of your seat of, it, it, you know, is Princeton going to come back in this one? It, it, is, is Penn State going to save this? this off, and, and essentially they do, and again, Jack Tracy on the player of the game, and, and that one of 16 saves. Um, another really, really good goalie performance uh, over the weekend. There, And by saying that, I forgot to mention uh, Hunter Taylor for Michigan. His performance in the cage, also wanted to mention that, mention that one as well, 16 saves. Uh, did not, had that written down here, but did not mention that. Uh, sk- slipped over my mind, but a lot of good goalie performances this weekend. Hunter Taylor from Michigan. You had uh, Jack Flacion from, from Penn State. Knox Dent from Army. Obviously, just really good games from from these goalies. Kill Kelly in the loss against Duke and, and Helm in the win. Just a, a great day. Um, a great weekend overall for those guys and just the game in general. Fantastic, uh, uh, fan, fantastic weekend. As always, you have 30-some-odd hours of lacrosse over two days, or 20-some-odd hours, I think, of lacrosse over uh, a, a two-day span from literally noon to, you know, 9.30 at night. It's 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 fantastic. It's the best weekend of the year. Everyone loves it. I love it. I know, I know y'all love it. And uh, we march forward here in the NCAA tournament. And again, we'll be back here on Thursday to dive into... Uh, those four matchups coming up this weekend again, which are Virginia and Georgetown, Duke and uh, actually I'll, I'll go top to bottom on the on the bracket. Duke and Michigan. Um, you've got Notre Dame and Hopkins. You've got Army and Penn State. We'll flip those two on if you're going on the bracket, but and then you've also got Georgetown and Virginia in. That one, and you also have got, um, did I say Notre Dame and Hopkins? Yes, I did. Okay. Yep, I said them all. There we go. That's your, that's your, uh, your, your schedule for the weekend, the, uh, second weekend of the season, the, um, the, NCAA quarterfinals, four games over two days, um, noon, 2.30, noon, 2.30, both on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, Again, we'll preview those ones here on Thursday and expecting a a great quarterfinal weekend as always. Those games being uh, the Saturday ones are in Albany, New York, and the Sunday ones are in uh, Annapolis, which is is, uh, kind kind of funny. Uh, where you have to have Army playing in their quarterfinal game uh, there in Annapolis uh, at, at the Naval Academy. So uh, Army uh, could 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 capture a, a trip to championship weekend on their uh, arch-rivals field. Uh, interesting dynamic there in that one. All right, but we'll talk about those and more on Thursday's show. Until then... Uh, y'all stay safe and, uh,
check out lacrossebucket.com for our latest news and notes over there. Connect with us on social media at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Again, lacrossebucket.com where it's always lacrosse season.